This podcast is powered by the leading at the top of your game development experience. If you would like to work with Karen and the shockingly different leadership team to up-level the leadership execution acumen within your organization, visit developingyourgame.com to find out more. There are a lot of things keeping us up at night. There are a lot of things vying for our attention. And there is this search for meaning and our connection to meaning and purpose between our own purpose and the purpose of the organization or institution where we work. Welcome to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we equipped you to more effectively lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. Each week, we help you sharpen your leadership acumen by cracking open the playbooks of dynamic leaders who are doing big things in their professional endeavors. And now your host, leadership tactics and organizational development expert, Karen Farrell-Rhodes. Hey there, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode. Being a leader in the world of work and business is definitely not for the faint of heart. A normal day commonly involves tackling topics and problems that you just haven't faced before. And many leaders struggle in silence when really they could tap into a valuable resource right at their fingertips. So on today's show, I'm honored to have as our guest, a friend and fellow executive coach, Sabina Nawaz, who's the founder and CEO of Nawaz Executive Consulting Limited. She's a very sought out coach and consultant whose unique superpower involves shepherding executives through high stakes decisions while also galvanizing their teams. Be sure to stay tuned after our conversation to listen to my closing segment called Karen's Take, where I share a tip on how to use insights from today's episode to further sharpen your leadership acumen. And now, enjoy the show. Hello, superstars. This is Karen, and welcome to today's episode of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. We have a Supersize show for you all today. Um, I'm very, very honored to have as our guest today a dear colleague from our Microsoft days, uh, Ms. Sabina Nawaz, who is a global CEO, a coach, a leadership expert, an author, a TEDx talk uh, guru. She's just been done some of everything, but I'm so honored to have her as our guest today. So welcome to the podcast, Savina. Thank you so much, Karen, for your enthusiasm, for inviting me. I'm uh, looking forward to having supersized fun. Yes, I am as well. And we always talk, uh, listeners, about having our guests open up their leadership playbook. Well, Sabina has an encyclopedia to share. Uh, but of course, we can't get it all in, in our time together. But uh, she does have a lot of stories and tidbits that I'm sure you're going to find valuable. Well, Sabina, before we get started, for as much as you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing with our audience a little bit about your personal background, maybe where you you grew up, and then um, maybe a few highlights of your career journey thus far. Wow. Uh, how much time did you say we had? <laughs> Just I'll the business version. <laughs> I'll try and keep it short. I grew up in India and uh, came as a 
junior transfer student in undergraduate university to Smith College, which is a small liberal arts women's school in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And I got my bachelor's in computer science and with a minor in electronics, and then did my master's at the University of Massachusetts in computer systems engineering. At that point, I sent out 180 job applications because I didn't know where I would get a job. And the first company to call me and make an offer was Microsoft. Now, interestingly, I had not known about Microsoft back in those days. I had to look up who William H. Gates III was and decided on a lark to fly over to Seattle and do the interview because I thought, hey, it's a free trip. I've never been to Seattle. And by my second interview, I fell in love with the people, with the vibe of the place, and uh, did software development for over nine years, and then switched careers and ran the company's leadership development, executive development, management development, succession planning, all these things, uh, working with Bill Gates, Steve Ballmer, and the company's leadership to shape and architect how we develop people, how we promote people, how we think strategically about organizations and their health from a people perspective. Mm. And did that for almost six years. After Since then, I have been running my own practice, coaching CEOs, university presidents, uh, executive directors of nonprofits, basically people at the top of the organization where the buck stops with them on how they can become more aware, awake, aware, and effective in doing the very hard work that they need to do, especially in these times. And that's amazing. And as I mentioned, um, listeners, Sabine and I had the the pleasure of sometimes working together on leadership development projects, um, but she had such a well-rounded, extensive career at Microsoft because you were there almost 14 years too, right? Yes. Yes. Same, almost same 15. Team. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was uh, 14. So, uh, but I, mine was all in either human resources or leadership development. And then yours was both on the business side and the executive side as well. So we've had quite a journey together. So because listeners that we have such an expert on our show, um, what I've asked Savina to do is kind of share a little bit about what she is seeing, trends that are going on with her clients and executive Uh, coaching, because she uh, deals with individuals from all industries at the highest levels. Um, She's very in touch uh, with some of the global aspects as well that is touching um, the world of work. And so I thought it would be um, invaluable to hear about what some of these business leaders are facing right now, what is top of mind for them and keeping them up at night. So, Sabina, why don't you share maybe one of the first, you know, things that you're seeing, trends that you're seeing with your coaching clients? Karen, there are so many things, and it's it's hard these days where the, the it's shifting sands. Every day you wake up and there's a new set of challenges, major challenges on an epic scale, yeah. and they're evolving so fast. So this is really a point in time. Um, when uh, COVID first started, I after a while, my clients all wanted to meet with me on Friday. And they said, because I want to meet with you on Friday, because you tell me all the trends that have happened that week. You know, this week is permission week. This week is empathy week. (laughs) Because these things were 
literally thematizing, if that's a word, week by week. So now um, what I'm noticing is a few different things. And one of them is around managing our energy. And by energy, I mean how everything from there are a lot of things keeping us up at night. There are a lot of things vying for our attention. And there is this search for meaning and our connection to meaning and purpose between our own purpose and the purpose of the organization or institution where we work. So all of those take up energy. There's also tied with your book, Karen, around stakeholder management and how much energy is that taking up these days compared to before, because we're all in the same soup of the pressures coming from so many different places. So that energy piece is, is a big one right now around how do we manage the energy? How do we stave off burnout? How do we keep people's attention where they are versus that great resignation, the great migration? Yeah. Um, That's a big piece today. It is huge. And you're right. You're so right and spot on. In the last section of my book, I talk about like what it takes to be, and you remember this term, a a true leadership athlete, right? Um, Right. It's all about a lot of mind, body, and soul, passions, priorities, um, energy management. It's a lot that mindfulness it's a lot that goes into that. And usually there's a new challenge every day for most leaders, especially at the levels that you're coaching at. And they're having to kind of start each new day with a a perspective uh, on what it takes for them to be at their best for that particular day. Am I correct or no? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all of those. It's also about how do you meet other people where they are? Oh, yeah. This is not business as usual. This is not, oh, I have an agenda as the boss and I'm going to direct you on it or I'm going to delegate it to you. I'm going to empower you. No, you might not be at, ready for receiving that whole fire hose of information from me. Right. So how do I suss out where are you and meet you where you are? Yeah. This doesn't mean that you get a free ride. So it's a, it's a tension that we need to manage between care and challenge and getting the work done. I love that. that. Uh, It's also about really validating other people's experiences and holding the space for experiences that are different than our own. Uh, There was a great uh, one of those memes that floated around in LinkedIn Uh that said, we are not all in the same boat. We're in the same storm in different boats. Mm, Interesting. Isn't that true? Right. Yeah. Some of us have a huge mega yacht and some of us have a kayak and yeah. some of us have a rowboat and we need yeah. different tools to propel us and mobilize us. We're maybe all heading in the same direction, yeah. but we're going to need different tools, different kinds of fuel uh, to get us there yeah. and a different sense of understanding of what it's like for the person in the rowboat, the kayak, the yacht. Yeah. I love that analogy. And you're you're so right. We're not all the same. Our our dynamic that we are dealing with is probably a lot different than the person in the boat or yacht or uh, rowboat next to us. You're right. <laughs> exactly. And it's also, to me, it brings up the point about pacing. And yes. uh, I coach people more and more about how do you pace the work right now? Mm. You are working at warp speed because you've had three months to think about things. And let's say you were in the yacht and the yacht kicks up a great, huge, big wake. That's actually going to slow down 
the rowboat. Yeah. <laughs> because now they, they're not only navigating the waters without a, an automatic engine, they're also having to stave off the effects of the wake. No, I agree. I agree so much. And I'm curious, Savina, um, at the executive levels, do you see leaders suffering from either fear or imposter syndrome or uncertainty about how to guide their teams because of the hugely dynamic nature in the world of work? Um, Or are you seeing more of them feeling a little bit more confident, but, you know, just needing a push in, in your, you know, via your coaching. I'm just curious how they're, they're feeling these days. That first part, yeah. That first part, Karen, it's, uh, it's really uncertain and uncharted, uncharted territory. Uncharted, there is no, yes. there is no leadership book on how to navigate this kind of situation and no crystal ball that tells us what's coming next. What's the formula? Uh, this is not where you can apply a, a tried and true so a standard operating procedure. So mm-hmm. there is, there is. Um, what did you say before imposter syndrome? You used a term. Oh, I was saying, um, did they have an imposter syndrome or fear of failing? Fear, yes. Yeah. Fear. So my latest Harvard Business Review article is about fear and yeah. how do we deal with fear in the workplace and what's going on in the workplace. So. So definitely a lot of fear is palpable, um, both because of the macroeconomic climate, but also because of everything else that's going on. The, the mm-hmm. economy is just one part of it. Right. In the past, that would have been all consuming. And yes. <laughs> just one slice of everything that we have to face. Yeah. The imposter syndrome for sure is coming up, mm-hmm. even at the highest levels, you know, they're also human beings. And so they are susceptible to the same fears, uncertainties, and doubts that the rest of us are. And when we don't have answers, and when we've gotten promoted up the chain, we're used to having answers. We're used to, uh, we're we're rewarded for having answers. Yes. Now we have to let people down uh, by going, I don't know. We have to come up with this collectively. It's not just a single point of, um, knowledge, a single font of expertise. It, right. We have to co-create the space we're in mm-hmm. and the, the the destination we're going to go to. That's in fact, right. we have to co-create the definition of that destination. Therefore, it's really easy for uh, people who are used to having the answers and being patted on the head for that to feel inadequate yeah. and ill-equipped to go, how do I lead without answers? And I think that is a big challenge of our times today for executives is how do I lead without answers? There it is right there. You're so right. I'm seeing that with my clients as well. They're just struggling and they find a way I find, um, you know, as you talk through it with them and help them plan and ask rich questions of them, but they're uncertain and they're struggling. And those leaders that are the most resilient and taking the most data to take the best calculated risk that they can seem to be those that are the most successful. Uh, those that are a little squirmy and not quite yes. sure. Yes. Uh, those are the ones I have seen. Um, yes. We had to, a little bit more work to do in the coaching realm. <laughs> exactly, Karen. And I don't know if you're seeing this, but the, the mm-hmm. one of the pieces that really sets them apart and builds that resilience mm-hmm. is the capacity to reflect. 
Yes. So yes. we're so used to jumping in the fray and do, do, do. Yeah. And when there are no answers, there is no solution. You have to learn your way into a solution. And learning requires that reflection. So you dip your toe, you gather some data, you reflect. You dip your toe again, you gather more data. So it's you yeah. build the next step and the next step iteratively yeah. based on what you're learning each time. And those who are not just learning themselves but are transparent about that as opposed to pretending mm-hmm. like they have the answers yeah. and building a culture of learning, those are the ones who, who stand apart in my mind. Mine too. Yeah. <laughs> Mine yeah. too. Great. Uh, 100% agree on that. <laughs> So, um, Sabina, let's uh, give you an opportunity to share maybe another trend that you're seeing from your clients right now. One of the trends is around increasing their their skills around communication. Mm. When it comes to right now, of course, especially in the tech se- sector, but many other places like a lot of nonprofits that depend on the tech sector, for example, for donations mm-hmm. uh, and so many other places, we're seeing layoffs. Yes. And layoffs are so emotionally fraught. They're so difficult for everyone involved. The person, of course, who's on the receiving end of it, the people who are left behind, Mm -hmm. the people who have to make the decision and decide who gets to stay and who gets to leave Mm -hmm. and then communicate that. So that's one area where we have to be really mindful of how we communicate. Yes. Mm -hmm. There are areas around diversity, equity, belonging. Mm, that we have to become much more aware of how we communicate and what is the impact of our communication. Mm -hmm. There are many socio-political issues that didn't traditionally used to be part of the workplace. That's right. But now there's no, the the boundaries have melded. So how do you communicate? What do you say? What do you not say? Mm -hmm. How do you create an environment that's inclusive of people who might have values that clash with your own? That's right and create enough of that safety. So I am noticing a lot around communication and and expanding the range. Uh, you know, like you have vocal range for a singer, expanding that communication range for each executive on not just using that tried and true methods, but additional ways to to connect not just with the minds, but with the hearts of people as we go through these emotionally gutting experiences. You're so spot on, um, Savina. And I'm just curious, and if you don't have one, that's totally fine. I don't want to put you on the spot. But when a a leader is struggling with that, um, how do you coach them on tackling it? Do you have them um, brainstorm a few approaches and then you all kind of work together and look at the pros and cons and talk them through? Or do you do other things? Well, I don't start with the mechanics of the communication. Mm -hmm. I start by looking under the hood to say, what's getting in the way of your communication and why? So recently I was working with somebody who had to lay off a bunch of people and they were really, their language was overly, I would call it more verbose than it needed to be, Mm -hmm. more flowery, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of qualifiers before words, like this is absolutely without a doubt, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what's the actual word? When are you right. going to get to that? You've just spent get to, the point. Words to get to this word. 
And I know these are culturally, there's cultural differences, but this was in North America. Mm-hmm. And, and what we got underneath that was their discomfort, their pain of inflicting this pain on people they had hand selected to be part of the organization, people who they thought were high performers. This was not a way for them to weed out poor performers. These were people they would hire again in a heartbeat. Interesting. And so what we looked at is what was behind getting using too many words. And it turned out it was this discomfort. So we had to talk through that and figure out how to adjust the language based on the discomfort they were feeling. The other thing they tended to do then is uh, use terms that were more definite than actually they, than the reality. For example, they might say, mm, oh, I'm going to make sure we, uh, we never have layoffs again. You know, Something <laughs> well, that I can't guarantee. Right? That's not within your control. Right. <laughs> right. This was a, this was a medium sized organization, mm-hmm. a couple thousand people, uh, that's a lot of burn rate. Uh, And um, what will happen if your sales don't take off? You might have to do that again. So, so being really mindful about what's weaving in and all of this was because they felt bad and they wanted to, to salve the sting or the immediate sting. And what was instead showing up is that they're showing up as more anxious Yes. If you show up as that anxious, it's going to leak into the psyche of your people. It will. And it can also create distrust if there's contradictions in your message. Later on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, Savina, think of a time where, and I don't want you to mention a company or any names because I'm going to keep everybody protected, but Think of a time with one of your clients where they were in the midst of what I call a leadership fail, uh, if you will, or they're struggling, not doing as well as uh, they needed to do or made a major misstep um, in executing their role. Um, What's an example of a root cause that you all worked out? What was the root cause of them making a misstep? What is an example of one? Again, Karen, how much time do we have? This <laughs> many, and and right. this is, these are some of the times when people come to me most, as I'm sure they come to you as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, one of them was, I'll call this person Adam. That's okay. not their real name. Sure. And who was uh, uh, initially killing it with business results, doing a great job. Um, um, awesome, awesome. And super smart, super intellectually smart. And then got called into the boss's office, thought that it was about a promotion. And instead, it was a uh, call to the principal's office. So it was, it was, I'm getting a lot of complaints about how you're leading. You're being a jerk mm-hmm. and a bully. And you are not getting a promotion. In fact, you better shape up or else. And so this was this big moment of reckoning for Adam. And we worked together. I interviewed mm, almost two dozen of Adam's colleagues, Mm -hmm. direct reports, peers, management, so on. And they had just terrible things to say about him. Mm -hmm. 
of how he was coming across really harshly, how he uh, made jokes that cut, uh, how he cut people down in other ways, how he interrupted folks all the time, that it seemed like he wanted to show up as the smartest person in the room, Mm. and so on. Now, the big realization for Adam was that I mean, the first, I don't know if there was a single root cause. There were so many issues. But one of them was that Adam actually had no idea he was coming across that way. Mm, he wasn't. He had aware. no idea. Wow. Because it's, it's a... Because no one shared the feedback with him? No one shared the feedback because they were scared of him. And the more scared they are, the less honest they are. The less honest they are, the less he knows. So he continues to bully and uh, badger people. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a negative loop. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a mess. So first, he had no idea. So his jaw was just scraping the floor. Uh, The second is that he actually thought the things he was doing, he was doing them deliberately because he thought they were good for the business. Oh, geez. Right. So... I so, think that was a gut punch to him realizing how yes, he's really coming Yes, because he's over, like, right? the reason I speed people along is I have lots of experience here. I've done several uh, mergers and acquisitions. I know exactly what needs to be done. So I'm cutting to the chase. Right. Well, you're cutting to the chase, but you're making everyone else look stupid in the process. Mm. Interesting. And so how can you do both and yeah. versus either or? And so one, so that was a big moment for him is understanding one, nobody is telling me the truth because of how I'm coming across. And it's the, it's a cycle that feeds on itself. And secondly, the, the very things I think are good for the business are actually completely boomeranging and throwing up all over, <laughs> over me. So, so that was one, uh, one example. What a and another one was this CEO who comes across as incredibly forceful, very sort of um, dominant in meetings. Mm-hmm. And and often when you have a title, you're already, people give you a lot of sort of pedestal room, but also his personality was pretty like, let's get to it. And uh, he spoke up early and he spoke up often. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he comes across as this very quote unquote strong personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet he had, three people on his leadership team of eight who were not the right fit. Mm. They were, they were creating a pretty toxic environment. They were also not getting the work done. There were a lot of problems and he tolerated that for way too long Mm. uh, to the point that good people then started leaving. And so what we recognized was even though he presented at this, as this very uh, strong personality dominant person in the room, yeah. Inside, he was really soft-hearted. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard for him to pull the trigger on somebody, to say, okay, you're out of here. And what he wasn't realizing is that by not doing that, that was a decision as well. Yes. And that decision was impacting, instead of three people, it was impacting hundreds of people. Whole teams, yeah, amazing. And... Did he find the courage or the resiliency to kind of course correct a bit in changing his behaviors? Absolutely. We worked through a lot of it. They did, those three people did exit. Mm -hmm. He almost had to start from scratch to rebuild. So he definitely needed a lot of resilience to rebuild. 
and has been doing great. Has It was a very expensive but helpful lesson on not just who to attract, but how to build a team that played well with each other. Mm, excellent. And I bet he will remember that at the t- his, probably the rest of yes. his life, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, Sabina, I also want to um, feature your expertise in a lot of your your services because listeners, for those that aren't familiar, uh, Sabina does a lot of writing for like the Harvard Business Review. Um, gosh, I don't even know all the publications. There's like, I'm not sure if you're doing Forbes, but I've seen you in, was it Inc? Or there was another business Forbes, magazine. Forbes, Inc, Wall Street Journal, yes. Harvard Business Review. Yep. <laughs> She's everywhere. And one of the things that I always love about her articles is she always couches it in a story, a brief story that help you give context. He makes it real for you and then talks about how to work through the situation or solution. So you definitely need to follow her, her writings. But in addition to that, Sabina, if, if individuals were interested in considering an executive coach um, and want to check you out, can you give some thoughts on how they can you know, reach you? Absolutely. I mean, they can go to my website, sabinanawaz.com or uh, my LinkedIn profile. But the best way would probably be to go to, say, a Harvard Business Review and check out my articles. Because Karen, as you said, mm-hmm. we can all talk theory, yeah. but stories are what bring it to life from a practical perspective. And mm-hmm. and remember, I was I was raised as an engineer in my profession. So once an engineer, always an engineer is what's the practical payoff here? And those stories will show you exactly how this situation and this person dealt with this particular challenge. I have often had my my phone ring after one of my articles gets published and the mm-hmm. person goes, how did you know me? You don't know me, but you, that was me you were writing about. Because, you know, we all like to think we're special and we're different. And I jokingly tell my clients or, or affectionately tell my clients, you're not special. There are, you know, you're like not alone. Exactly what you're experiencing makes a lot of sense. What you're experiencing is very normal and normative. Mm-hmm. So look at those scenarios. And if you if those scenarios seem familiar to you, yes. you may not even need to hire me as a coach. You can read my articles. And follow the advice there and see what how far you get. Right. <laughs> but you know they're going to want to talk to you because this, you know, they probably have more to work out than they can just get from an article. But it is a definite window into some of your insight and your expertise. So I just wanted to make sure we give that an extra plug. Thank you, Karen. All right. Well, before we um, let you out of here, and listeners, we will have information about Sabina in the show notes. So be sure to check um that out. There will be those links that we mentioned as well. But we're going to end with our final segment called Full Disclosure. And Savita, we, it will never be a gotcha question, but we like to end with some fun facts about yourself uh, that you don't mind sharing. So uh, my first question to you is, um, what was your first job ever? Was it Microsoft or were there other things that you did in India? First job as like a professional, first job that I got paid money for? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was when I was, uh, I think it was, I think it was 12 or early teens. Huh? And I had to tutor a girl who was three or four years older than me, neurodiverse, and tutor her in English and math. And oh, um, I think I started to tap into my love of growing people from that first job. 
That is amazing. I did not know that about you. Oh, that was fantastic. Uh, where is one of your favorite places to go on vacation? That is such a tough question. I love going to so many places. I love, love, love to travel. Yeah, so I'll just refer to our most recent trip, which was an epic trip to Iceland. I have not been to Iceland yet. What did you love? One thing that you loved about Iceland? These one things are killing me, Karen. I know, I know. Right? <laughs> uh, it actually, and if you're planning a trip to Iceland, uh-huh. uh, I'll send you the link that uh, my son did this video for, for the whole trip, which is really incredible. Oh, um, yes. I definitely want to take a look. Yeah. So Iceland in 15 days by Powderhound or something like that, but I'll send you the link. Okay. And I think the one thing I would say is the is the diversity of natural beauty and the scale of the natural beauty. Because in the same trip, you're seeing geysers and uh, glaciers, like separated by a half hour journey. Uh, You're seeing volcanic craters and you're seeing miles and miles of uh, just empty land. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the, the contrast is stunning. Oh, that is amazing. Well, it's definitely on my bucket list. So we'll have to huddle afterwards and send me that link so I can take a look. (laughs) And then my final question for you, um, what is one thing or hobby that uh, you do that most people don't know? Or what is (laughs) one unique thing about you? (laughs) Well, uh, before I had kids, it was stunt fighting. I I did a lot of theater work and I was uh, getting trained in stunt fighting and I just loved it. Now I am not doing that. But the thing that perhaps most people don't know is uh, as many times as I can, but at least once a week, I join a Bali X class, which is a hit workout, but it's Mm -hmm. to great music. And so I just leave with a grin on my face at the end of it. (laughs) I can only imagine. I can only imagine. And you get a workout too, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, that's wonderful. Well, thank you, Ms. Savina, for being such a sport on our final segment of Full Disclosure. And and once again, thank you for being um, on our podcast and giving us the gift of your time and expertise. Uh, We really appreciate it. Karen, thank you so much for the connection and uh, happy to answer any questions people have as they reach out. Please do reach out if you have questions. All right. So audience members, please do um, check out the show notes. Reach out to Sabina. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. She's an excellent, excellent coach and colleague. Uh, And also share this episode with your friends. Also like and rate it so that we can expand our reach. And we look forward to to speaking with you on the next episode. You take care. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed our conversation today with Sabina Nawaz, founder and CEO of Nawaz Executive Consulting Limited. Links to her bio, her entry into our leadership playbook, and additional resources can be found in the show notes, both on your favorite podcast platform of choice and on the website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. And now for Karen's take on today's topic of leading through uncharted territory. You know, when reflecting on my past consulting engagements, I wish I had a dollar for every time I'd hear the executive leader say, 
you know, Karen, we've never been here before. And if you're a leader and you're leading through times of ambiguity, it can really feel like a constant punch in the gut, especially when your job or business is on the line, right? When nothing is written and no path is marked and no rules apply anymore, you may ask yourself, how in the world can we reinvent our leadership to bring about courage, commitment, resiliency, and creativity? And while the answer will depend upon your specific situation, I do want to share three quick tips for you to keep in mind. The first is assemble a powerhouse of a problem-solving team. What I mean by this is pull together individuals who have the best knowledge, skills, and abilities to help you build an informed strategy to address whatever it is you're facing. The second tip is to remember that credibility at this time matters more than ever. All your team or audience wants to know is what you're going to do to lead them out of the chaos. And I truly advocate communicate, communicate, communicate. In a vet communications vacuum, they're going to create a story in their heads, which may result in you know really catapulting their level of angst to an insanely destructive high. And then the third tip I'd love to share is to be willing to ditch your assumptions to admit you are wrong if necessary. This is the moment that you should listen to a diversity of perspectives, experiment and try new things, and if you face failure, just own it and move on by course correcting. Easily embarrassed leaders don't get very far in times of crisis. And if you or a colleague are facing difficult times in the world of work and could use a thought leader or a coach, uh, definitely reach out to me at Karen, K-A-R-A-N, at shockingdifferent.com, and I'll be happy to help you personally or connect you with an expert who can. And please be sure to share our podcast with your network of supporters because we'd love to share tips with them as well as we can use the additional subscribers. Thank you so much for your support of the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Bye-bye. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Lead at the Top of Your Game podcast, where we help you lead your seat at any employer, business, or industry in which you choose to play. You can check out the show notes, additional episodes, bonus resources, and also submit guest recommendations on our website at leadyourgamepodcast.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn by searching for the name Karen Rhodes with Karen being spelled K-A-R-A-N. And if you like the show, the greatest gift you can give would be to subscribe and leave a rating on your podcast platform of choice. This podcast has been a production of Shockingly Different Leadership, a global consultancy which helps organizations execute their people, talent development, and organizational effectiveness initiatives on an on-demand project or contract basis. Huge thanks to our production and editing team for a job well done. Goodbye for now.